Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. Okay, I have been wanting to do this episode forever, and I'm so freaking stoked that today is the day that we're bringing it to you. I actually have one of my really good friends, and actually the amazing human who cuts all of our hair on here, and she is a stepmom. And she and her amazing husband have been married for three years now. She's got two girls of her own, and then he has three girls and a boy. And I have been so amazed at the person that she is, the relationship that she has with her stepkids and the way I hear her talk about them. I've met one of them and just the way I saw her stepdaughter, who's a teenager, talk to and about her stepmom. I was just like blown away, blown away by the relationship that they have. And because my parents are divorced, my parents got divorced when I was nine and my mom got remarried when I was 10. I know what it's like to like, my mom's the stepmom, And there was a lot of like energy all around there. And I, I very much love and appreciate and admire my stepdad and the person he's helped me grow into. And at the same time, I very much know that I am not his daughter. Like he does not look at me as his daughter, right? I am his stepdaughter and that is the way it is. And that is the way it will always be. And sometimes I kind of wish that it didn't have to be like that. Sometimes I wish that there was a little bit more of that. Like, you know what? You're in my life and you are my mom's husband and you are my father figure. And I mean, he raised me for eight years, right? Like I, and so I just really wanted to bring on Heather today to share like what is the magical secretness of the beautiful relationship that you have created with your with your blended family and so before we get into all that like oh my gosh I'm just so excited for this episode like really truly and to pick your brain and to hear all your things and all the yes so welcome my friend welcome welcome and tell us all about you Oh gosh, uh, put me on the spot there with telling me about or telling you guys about myself. Um, I kind of feel like, what do you want to know about me? Like who wants to know anything about me? Um, but yeah, like you said, I've been married three years. I have my two girls. Um, I've been doing hair 21 years. I also educate in the hair world for the last about 13 years. So I've done big hair shows on stage to little intimate classes in salons for continuing education. Um, I grew up with married parents. Um, there's pretty much no split families going on. I've never really experienced much of that. So I don't think I'm a pro <laughs> of this by any means. I don't have any experience that necessarily brought me to, to where I'm at, but um I like to work out. I like to be happy. That's kind of my thing. And, um, I'm usually a pretty happy person and yeah, I just, I don't know anything else you want to know. I guess you got to ask me. <laughs> I love that. No, I love it. That's perfect. So talk to us about all, all the things, whatever it is that you want to share, just take us on your journey. I think the biggest thing of where we started with the whole blended family is I never wanted to be looked at as like, Oh, like a partial family, or I never wanted that like step family stigma. I mean, of course, every time you see anything in the movies, it is always mean. Like they, it's not loving and kind and joyous. It's like, oh, they're the other part of the family. You know, the mm -hmm. husband and wife blend and they're fine, but it's always like your kids, my kids, those kids, her kid. you know, it's always so split. And I think that that's 
maybe my magic of we never wanted to talk in a manner like I just think stepdad and stepmom sound so cold and and evil like really I just like I never want to be called stepmom like that just to me feels negative and I always wanted to be put into a positive light so we've never called the kids stepsisters or step siblings it's always bonus if they need to use something so we've always used the boat the word bonus because it is a bonus it's a bonus that you know you've gained extra siblings um and I call myself a bonus mom and I, I, because I am a mom, I'm not necessarily their mom. They did not, you know, come out of my body, but I wanted to make it feel as close to that as possible. Um, so the word bonus is always put it in positive. We've always explained that to them that, Hey, this is a positive experience. You're gaining positivity. You're gaining people who love you. There's more people to love you. There's more people to teach you. Um, and, and I think that might be like my magic secret is just, if you act like you're just one solid family that, you know, all was born at this, you know, from the same people, um, I think that, that just brings it into a positive light and has allowed my bonus kids to treat me, you know, for us to have just a closer relationship for them to be able to see me as she actually loves me. She wants me. Because I think when, when you have that word step, it just creates a weird like separation of like, you're not my kid. And so I've just always called them my kids. I've always said, you know, my daughter, my son, cause they're mine. I mean, they, they are They're when they're in my possession, they're mine. Not that they're, you know, I'm not possessive. They're not things, but you know, the, I treat them like mine. I mean, I discipline them the same way I would like my kids. Um, I mean, on that note, there, there is some things where there's kind of a little bit of a line. There's a, there's a fine line. You kind of have to walk this line of what's okay and what's not. Um, and yeah, so we just like to, to keep it positive for, for everybody. And, you know, it's hard enough. I think watching my kids go through divorce, watching what, what has happened with his kids through their divorce. And why would we want to make that harder for them? Why would we want to make it harder on our family to blend by, you know, acting divided or you came from this house, you came from that house, you know, any of that. So it's not always easy to keep that, but that's, you know, it's, it takes work. I think to always just have a perspective of these are my kids. And the more I make them feel like my kids, the more I feel like I'm their mom or close enough. Like I'm never going to try to replace their mom. Like that will always be their mother. You know, they will always have that specific bond, but I do my best to like recreate what a stepmom really is. So I try to recreate it as this bonus mom. We've come up with like names that they can call me. Um, what are stepmom, some examples? Of that? I mean, stepmom is just such like a cliche thing. So of course, like naturally you want to call people like, oh, that's your stepmom or step, you know, whatever. Um, so the first one, the little one was three when I first came around the little, littlest and we were playing house or something. And I think we were playing like princesses and castle and, and all this, you know, fun little play stuff we were doing imaginative. And I said something about, I'm the queen of the castle. So it kind of turned into Queen Heather. So a lot of times you'll hear them refer to me. A three-year-old didn't quite know how to say my name. So it was Heather, Queen Hedo is what she would call me. So they kind of referred to me as Queen Heather for a while. Most recently it's uh, turned into Mama Bear because uh, they started calling, calling me stepmom again. And, and I got really sad. And I told the three-year-old, well, she's six now, but I told her, I said, you know, hey, stepmoms are kind of mean in the movies. Don't you think I don't want to be like the mean stepmom that everyone thinks of when you say stepmom. And I said, you know, can we come up with something else, you know, cause, um, I just don't like that. And she didn't like the word, she didn't like bonus mom. That, that was like weird to her. So, so yeah, lately I'm mama bear. Like that's just, cause I try to kind of keep the word, you know, mom in there somehow of like, 
how they can associate to me. And so, yeah, mama bear is, is my latest little nickname. I love that. I love that. And I think there's so many motherly figures in my life that haven't, that I did not come from their womb, right? Like, but there's been so many amazing women in my life that have shaped me into who I am. And I've called them like, oh, she's basically my second mom or she's my best friend's mom or she's, you know, bonus mom or she's my mother from another whatever, right? And I love, love those women so much. And so I love that you are communicating in verbiage that they can understand. Like, I don't want to be that wicked stepmother, right? That the media portrays like, hello, Cinderella, right? Like every little girl's movie they grew up with, right? Like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to step into that role and not just like, I want to commend you for not just thinking that, but communicating that to them of, I don't want to fill those shoes. I am your stepmom, technically. Like that is whatever. Technically my role, but I don't want to fill that role in the way that we think about that. So let's think of a new name, right? And for you, I feel like it's almost like maybe the word stepmom is almost like triggering of like, yeah, right. And so I love that you've identified that for yourself, communicated that, and then found creative ways to get around that barrier, right? Because I'm sure that mindset of bonus mom, queen Heather, right? Like all these amazing things, it helps you to step into that role of, I do love you. And I am here to help you and guide you and help you grow on your journey of life but I'm not wicked and I'm not this evil human that's here to like take over and ruin your life. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I love that. You, you said briefly that you wanted to make sure that you knew or your, your kids, your bonus kids knew how much you love them. So will you just give us like a little one, how old are all of them? Because I think sometimes like, people here like, oh, well, good for her. She can do it. It's because she's got a three-year-old and three-year-olds are super cute and manageable, right? So take us on your journey of like, how old are all of them and how individually did you help each one know that you love them and that you care? Uh, Yeah. I mean, at three years old, the youngest, when we got married, of course, she's the easiest. She's the most moldable Um, I can teach her, you know, all my ways much easier than the older ones because she's much more accepting. It's also an age thing as, as well. Um, and so that was definitely easier, uh, no doubt. Uh, so currently they are six, nine, 10, 14, 15 and 16. They all sound so close in age right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my older two, um, sailors almost 17. So they're a year and a half apart and then 15 to 14, they're about a year and a half apart. Then we kind of have that gap. And then there's the Irish twins that are nine and 10, a little bit of a gap. And then the six-year-old. So sometimes they fall 14, 15, 16. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, they're just right there, but there is a, a, enough age gap. Um, I feel really blessed that they kind of have all, you know, fallen in, in line with that. Um, so how do I let them know individually that I love them? Um, I admire my husband for part of this is he's really great at taking each of his kids on individual dates. That's something I try to be better at. Um, so I try to get individual time with them. I think that's one of the, like the biggest factors and maybe what created just the communication line for me and his kids. Um, when I first met his daughter, she, his oldest, the 14 year old, she was 10 and she seemed to really like kind of be magnetic and gravitate towards me. Um, and I wasn't sure why, but we sat on his parents' doorstep for probably an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And we just sat there and talked. She's very intuitive. Um, an old soul. I mean, part of the conversation felt like I was talking to a 30 year old. And so we kind of made like a, an instant connection early on. And of course, you know, anyone might think, well, 10 years old is, you know, 
still young and it's easy. And it's really not because they're old enough <laughs> to make the decision of like, I don't have to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. They can walk away, you know, they can be nice and then, you know, to your face and, and, and walk away. So I've tried to make it a point to just get some individual time with them. Um, we do, I mean, when my kids were little, I always read them a story, sing them a song and put them to bed. Like, that's just the way it was. It was our routine. We had our showers. And even though I only had two at the time, I was still very routine. And so it was like, you know, dinner, bath time, family time, uh, and, and reading stories they loved. And, you know, I had to sing specific songs and, you know, I would lay with them and talk with them. Um, and that's when they're in their most like vulnerable state and they're ready to like tell you all their problems and all their whatever. And sometimes it's just funny stuff that they would talk about. Not necessarily, it would just, I think it was like a moment they could de-stress from, you know, just the, the daily things of just, you know, running around like a crazy kid or however it was. So when I entered this world of bonus mom, I just automatically, you know, tried to do the same thing. It wasn't as routine. It wasn't as, you know, usual as I was used to. Um, but we figured out some way to try to make it work. Um, we were often not in our own home. Often our visitations were at grandma's house because that was easier for the distance. And it's hard when you don't have your own space and your own normal things. So it wasn't always a story. It wasn't always a song with every single one of them. It looked different for every, every time we did have them and for, for each kid. Um, and how often do you get to see them? Sorry, interrupt. Um, initially at, at the beginning of our marriage, it was every other weekend. Um, and then we would alternate like half of summer, every other holiday, like that kind of crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now we are down to once a month, um, but still, you know, half of summer, um, any of that once a month, like one day or we like get them for a weekend, a one weekend. weekend a month, which is kind of hard because it's, <laughs> they're six hours away from us. Um, so we meet in the middle, we get them home about eight 30 PM on a Friday. And by about one, one in the afternoon on Sunday, we're back in the car driving. So really one solid full day, um, that Sunday is obviously most of it's church and getting ready to go. So we really get one solid day with them, which makes it tough, which makes it, I mean, I do have to kind of show them that love even more and bedtime's always the perfect individual time to, to do that. And so, um, the biggest thing is, you know, I try to read a story. If we don't get story time, then usually the youngest will ask for very specific songs that I sing. <laughs> and some of them I've had to learn. Cause I'm like, I don't know what that is. And my husband's like, I don't know what that is either. It's like a made up song. So, um, <laughs> I try, I guess I try my best to kind of listen and not necessarily to them, but kind of like feel what, what do they need? Like, what are they seeking? They all have a different love language. One of them is the biggest on just like quality time and kind of snuggling. And, you know, some of them are just, they're just so different. And so I try to show them the love that they need. But I think the biggest time has been bedtime. That's the biggest time where there's no distractions, nothing else really going on. And I, we kind of snuggle each kid for a few minutes and lay with them and, and talk with them. Even your teenagers? Yeah. Yep. I, I still always try to attempt that. It doesn't it's not always necessarily like every single evening because sometimes they're up later than I am doing homework or I want to at least just get in my bed and start winding down for the day. So there are times it may not necessarily be at bedtime, but I go and I just lay on their beds and, you know, Hey, what's up? Like what's going on? So I think that's the biggest thing is just the nighttime routine. And each one of them, I would, you know, give them a kiss on their forehead or their cheek and say, you know, I love you. You're a special child of God, you know, or I'll tell them you're so creative or you're, you're so funny. You're so fun. You're so special. Just any words of affirmation that they could use right before bedtime I so that, that they, you know, sleep soundly and they remember like, I'm special. Everything's going to be okay. Let me just relax and, and go to sleep. 
oh my gosh. I'm like all the feels like, and I, I listened to a book or I actually read it, but it's called when less becomes more and it's by Emily lay. And she's actually the person who inspired me to do this podcast. She wrote a book called grace, not perfection. And like, when I read that book, I was like, oh my gosh, all the things are coming to my head around like this whole concept of like giving yourself grace as a mom. Okay. Then I read her second book when less becomes more like anyone and everyone within the sound of my voice, go read those two books, grace, not perfection. And when less becomes more, but she talks for quite extensively in when less becomes more about this concept about that, like words of affirmation. And also that bedtime nightly lay in their bed with them, tickle their back, you know, whatever, talk to them and just snuggle. Or, you know, if they're older and they don't want that physical touch or whatever, like just be there. No phone, no to-do lists, no dishes, no cleanup, no homework, whatever. Like we're here. I'm listening. Pillow talk, right? And it's effective with your spouse. So it can be effective with our kids too. Right. And I, I'll be real. Like I, I read that and I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and I, it actually has been recently, I'm doing this 30 day challenge where I made it a goal to spend one-on-one -on -one time with each of the members of my family. And at first I had this like stupid moment in my brain of like, that shouldn't be a goal, Bryn. Like you should just do that. And so then it was one of those like, okay, well then maybe I shouldn't make that a goal. Cause then it becomes a to-do list item. But then the, like, this is, was like the good angel, bad angel, like, you know, fighting on my shoulder situation where it was like, Okay, but if this habit matters to you and if your family matters to you, is it okay to put your family on your to-do list? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is okay, right? And at first it felt a little, eh, 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 right? But then as I'm like on day 24 now of this like 30-day challenge and it has felt so seamless now of just really looking for those moments. And so the last couple of nights, it has been more of like the, I want to lay with you in your bed because maybe I didn't get to spend the time with you that I wanted to earlier, but the day's not over and I can lay with you now and I can have quality time with you now. Even if I didn't get to this morning or this afternoon or this evening, I can now, you know, and just having that kind of that mindset switch of like, maybe the day didn't go the way I thought it would, or the way I hoped it would, or the way I wanted it to but the day is not over yet. And I still have time to make a quality connection with this human. Right. Um, so I love that. I love that so much. Um, I wanted to ask you when you're re referring to the, like one day that you guys have together, what do you do in that one day? Is it like, let's go play all the things? Like, well, what do you do? It is definitely a challenge because they automatically arrive with an anxiety of not enough time. So they literally want to do all the things and it's hard to kind of reel it in and say, you guys, we only have time for this. And of course we want to make all their dreams come true of doing everything possible. Um, and that's, it's just not always realistic. Um, Generally, what we will do is say, okay, when we arrive, we're going to snuggle and like watch a movie because there's no way that they're going to like do the bedtime routine. They've got to get out like some wiggle, some energy. It's like waking up on Christmas morning and they're just so excited to be here and they just want to like reacquaint themselves. And so we try to give them like one late night. Um, and then, God, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, we have to celebrate a birthday and we're trying to add that in there. And so we're like literally going hundred miles the entire weekend because we do have so much to fit in. And sometimes they also want to see grandmas and grandpas and cousins and it does get super crazy. And so we always try to plan like, you know, one type of like outside activity, whether it's going hiking or something so that it's just we have that one thing that they know we're doing. Um, we always plan like their favorite breakfast because we know they're going to ask. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a lot and we just, sometimes we just fly by the seat of our pants and we have no idea what's happening or what's going to go on. And, you know, when it's all said and done, we're like, holy crap, how did we pull that off? Like, how did we do that many things? So actually what just came to my mind is, is you were also asking how I make them feel loved, you know, previously. And this weekend we have them and the 14 year old just had a birthday. So for their birthdays, I always make them their favorite meal and a cake. And we'll have like a little get together with family. And I think, you know, they, they've learned to expect like their favorite dinner. And sometimes they'll tell me ahead of time, Hey, for my dinner, you know, I want this. And so it's, it's also about kind of creating like those traditions or those, um, you know, normalcies that they, you know, routines that they, they can, can expect. So, um, yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think, that's one of the things that's almost become innate for me, just as a, as a kindergarten teacher, I just saw like how important routine was like to a child and even to us, right? Like we have those Monday classes we like to go to at the gym or the Tuesday girls night or the Wednesday is date night or the Thursday I get to sleep in because my husband doesn't have to go to work as early or the, you know, like whatever, right? We all thrive on those little known things. And I, I don't care how old you get, like we all thrive on some sort of normalcy, some sort of routine. And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, hello, 2020 and 2021 has been so hard for so many humans is because that normalcy it's had to be that like, well, everything I knew is now different. I have to find that new normal, right? And I think the faster we can set into that new routine and not judge ourselves for whatever, it's not really going the way I wanted it to, but what, what does matter the most, what is the most important and how can I find ways to make sure that I fit that in so that I can feel that sense of normal so that my kids can feel that sense of normal so that whatever. Right. I love that. I love that so much. And when I met Heather's oldest uh, bonus daughter, (laughs) I, I heard her at least like four or five times, like praise her in public. Right. Like it's not like public, public, because it was just me, but I heard her over and over and over and over praising her bonus daughter. And I just was like, oh my gosh, like I, I can probably count on one hand, the amount of times I remember that happening for me. And, and I think for any of those people out there with bonus kids, bonus families, blended families, whatever, or even not like even just, you don't have a bonus family. You don't have a blended family, but you just have kids, right. Or you have foster kids or you have whatever your situation looks like. You just have a dog or you just have your spouse or whatever, like how, how beautiful and important that is to really take that piece of advice of praise in public and criticize in private. If you have something that needs to be said or something that needs to be shared or something that needs to be fixed, please take that to a quiet private place. And especially, 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 especially not in front of their friends. Cause I will just be completely real and honest. That was one of the most harmful moments in my relationship with my stepdad. Sorry. That's what I call him. I probably should think of a different name for him, but, um, it was in a moment like that where I was at church and these were my, my church friends. They're the people that I hope can think super highly of me. Like we don't really hang out at school, but I want them to like me at church. I want them to like me so that we hang out together, like during the weekday activities. And he said something in front of them and maybe it was all in my head. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but I swear that moment switched something. And it honestly, it made me not like church anymore. It didn't just hurt my relationship with my stepdad. It made me not like those friends anymore. It made me not want to go to church anymore with those people. It made me not want to go to that mutual mutual activity because I didn't have the maturity at that time to like, 
oh, whatever. He loves me. He didn't mean it. Right. Like I didn't have the maturity to just like brush it off and whatever. He loves me. He didn't mean to hurt me. No, like it hurt a lot. (laughs) And so then I had this like constant story in my head of like, well, my friends heard that now they probably don't like me. And, and it, it was again, probably now that I'm a little older and wiser too, right. It was probably mostly self-inflicted. Like I probably could have forgiven him and moved on and asked my friends if they thought differently of me, but I didn't have the maturity and the tools at that time to do that. And so I, I didn't, and I don't have a relationship with any of those people anymore. Why? Because I was certain that they thought differently of me because of that moment, one time in the hallway on Sunday. Right. And so just really, truly like you probably mean well, when you're trying to give feedback, that's constructive, but make sure it is given in the right time and in the right place. And then praise them up and down when it is, when you're in public with them, talk about how amazing they're, whatever it is, like the little tiniest things they're cooking. They helped me clean up yesterday. Do you guys help your family? What, like, whatever it is that you can just find to praise and praise and praise and praise and praise. So, yeah, I mean, even on that topic, not in front of friends, we actually try to pull our children aside because there's six of them, if they're kind of in trouble for something or they've, you know, done something rather than even talk to them in front of all the kids, we try to pull them into a bedroom and talk to them about maybe what, what was wrong with their behavior. So that it's not in front of everybody, because like you just mentioned, maturity is not there for all of them to understand. And sometimes their perspective of what's happening could be so skewed and so different. And so we do, you know, bigger times of things, you know, try to take them in the bedroom and, and just have a conversation with them. When it comes to discipline, we always like to let them know, like, this is what you did wrong. This is, you know, what we expect. And this is how we would like to see things. So next time let's have a different attitude or, you know, however the correction needs to be made, but we definitely do try to do that in private so that not every kid is like, you know, watching and like, Ooh, they're getting in trouble because, we all have our moments of, you know, kind of getting in trouble or having, having those conversations. And so we do try to make them as, as private as possible. So it would definitely never be in front of, you know, friends or anything that could, could potentially, you know, crush them. Mm-hmm. At least that's what we strive for. I'm not going to make any promises that'll never happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that's what we strive for. That is the goal is to just, you know, take them privately in, in their own rooms or in their own space where they're comfortable and, and have a conversation. Okay. So I just had a thought when you were sharing about that. And I remember listening to this talk by John, by the way. Um, and honestly, I can't remember what it was called, but I remember it being so helpful and he gave an acronym and it was the acronym of parents, right? And he talked about this concept of, I think it was a two-part talk. I, oh, I wish I could think of what it was called off the top of my head, but um, I think it's called the tour de family. Now that I think of it, about it, I think it's called the tour de family. Um, and he talks about a tandem bike that when you get married, you, you know, you're a single bike and you know how to do this bike. And then you, you get married and you add a set of pedals and you have to figure out how to keep this bike pedaling and you got to like, you know, transfer your weight a little differently and shift a little differently and lean on each other and rely on each other and, you know, ease up and let out whatever a little differently. And then every time you add a child, it's like adding another set of pedals and making the bike a little bit longer, right. Until you have this giant bike, right. (laughs) With a whole bunch of pedals. And, and this, this analogy that he shared was just so powerful with like, if, if one kid is like, pushing on the brakes, guess what? It's going to affect the whole bike, right? And so just taking the time and making that time to talk to them and make sure that they they feel heard, they feel understood, they feel loved, they feel valued. Because if, if we don't give them the attention that they need in positive ways, they want to feel significant, right? And 
if it takes acting out and misbehaving to get that significance, then guess what? That's exactly what they'll do. They'll hit those breaks because every time they hit those breaks, they get to see you, you talk to them, they get that one-on-one attention. And anytime they're, you know, just going with the flow, they don't get that from you. So guess what? I'm okay. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the brakes again because I really am just craving time and attention. Right. And so the more we can just do even those small, simple things. I know I keep banging this drum, but like, you know, like you said that, that nighttime things and with this habit, thing that I'm doing. It has been so beautiful even to just notice that like, you know what? I didn't, you know, play outside and we kicked the soccer ball for 30 minutes together. Right. Like sometimes it's literally just this morning. I tackled my five-year-old and I kissed him all over for like 30 seconds. Right. And he's like laughing and giggling and mom, get off me. Right. Or whatever. But it was, it was a quality moment. And I just kept saying like, Nope, I love you. And whatever, like kissing him all over. And, and he, he was probably a little annoyed, but he was laughing. Right. And in those moments, like I'm feeling joy, he's feeling joy. He's feeling love. I'm feeling love. I'm feeling connection. He's feeling connection. And it took about 30 seconds. Right. So I think sometimes as moms, we have this like bar that we set for ourselves of like quality time equals, I must go on a date with them for three hours every single week or else I am terrible, right? And that's not it. That's not it at all. Sometimes it's turn the music off when you're driving them to soccer practice and have a conversation for that five minute, 10 minute, whatever commute, instead of having the music blaring, right? Or, or I'm going to tackle you for 30 seconds and give you kisses all over, or I'm going to lay with you in your bed and ask you how your day was, or we're going to have no phones at the dinner table. And we're just going to actually have a quality conversation as we consume our food. Right. And instead of having the TV on, or instead of just getting takeout and being like, whatever, they're off playing at the play place, which isn't really a thing with COVID, but they're off playing and they're off doing this and, oh, they saw a friend and we're distracting it and whatever. Cool. I guess we all ate and let's go home. Right. Just sometimes create creating those intentional moments where, you know, we spent time together and, and we had a connection. Right. And that's, that's enough. Yeah. I mean, we also, um, dinner time, what does dinner time look like? We don't have phones. Like you just mentioned, we are phone free at the dinner table and you are not allowed to leave the dinner table until every person has eaten they are done and we're all ready to get up as a family. Does it always look like that? No, I'm not trying to paint a, a picture that I'm like a you know perfect family or perfect blended family or a perfect parent. By any means, sometimes it is, you know, hey, this is a phone-free zone. Don't forget to put your phone away. And it's it's reminders and it's nagging and it's, you know, kids try to get up before they're supposed to. And, you know, it's 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 not this perfect setting, but we do intentionally share about our days. We each go around the table and talk about, you know, what was like, did we have a moment of service? Um, Something that we started recently is, you know, we would talk about like, what was a good point of your day, like the roses, but we also want to talk about the thorns. We want to talk about like, what was negative that you turned into a positive or how did you take negative moments and, 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 you know, pull yourself out of that so that we can talk about that there's good that comes from bad. Um, you know, there's positive that comes from trials. Like, how do we pull ourselves out of that? And so we all at least try to talk about a service moment, or maybe did you miss a service moment? How can we look for those moments of service? You know, putting a cart back for somebody, smiling at somebody, even just feeling like you brightened their day. And we try to always, you know, at least use the dinner table to connect with one another. Um, and you know, that, that type of thing. So no phones and let's just talk and have conversations and quality time. I love that. I love that. And that's something that a good friend of mine shared too, that whole roses and thorns concept, but we just do like good and bad or like happy and sad. And, um, I remember growing up, we always called it happy of the day and we did happy of the day a lot. Right. But it wasn't until my friend introduced me to this concept that she was like, well, yeah, we actually talk about like, what made you sad today too. And honestly, as we've started to implement that, I almost like that more than the happy, because it's really easy to like 
put a smile on and yeah, life is good. Right. But sometimes just creating that atmosphere of like, it's safe and okay to talk about pain as well. And, and even just with my husband, like sometimes there's moments of like, Hey babe, what was, what made you happy today? Okay. What made you sad today? And like, there's moments that it's, you know, there's moments that it's like, it made me sad today when Alila was fighting with Holland and they were, they were yelling at each other. Right. Or there's moments when it was like, honestly, it made me really sad today because this happened at work. And when I asked him about how his day was, it was good, you know, like, okay, great. And then when I asked him at dinner, well, what made you sad today? this whole story comes out that I'm like, well, where, where was that story? When I asked you about your day, (laughs) you know, I don't say that, but I'm thinking it, you know, that I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for this extra tool at dinner time that we can share. And then even just hearing like, what made my two-year-old sad? Oh, I didn't know you guys got in a fight about that today. Or, oh, I didn't know that that happened at school or, oh, I didn't realize that you had bad dreams last night or whatever. Right. Um, And I think even just having that place to talk about the thorns, to talk about the sad, to talk about that creates this beautiful dynamic of I'm safe here. I'm loved. I'm seen. I'm heard. I'm okay to be happy. I'm okay to be sad. Right. So I love that. I love that so much. Okay. Well, anything else you want to share with us about just your magical secret sauce of just the amazing mama and, and bonus mom and human um, you are? Gal, I mean, huge credit to any, you know, blended families. It is really tough. I mean, I had no idea, obviously what I signed up for, um, because you have, it, it's kind of almost like, I don't know if this is like the right, like comparison, but it's kind of like fostering in a way because they have these kids that are full-time with one parent. They come with us, you know, temporarily. They have, you know, kind of their rules or lack of rules or their routines or lack of routines, um, you know, their their comfort zones or, or don't, you know, and, and they come with us. And, and we, so we try to make it consistent as possible because it's very hard when you have to take into consideration like what their life looks like outside of our home. And there's no manual. There's no like exact way to parent. There's no, you know, one way to do it. I think every weekend can be different as far as like the parenting aspect goes and how we run our family. Um, You know, maybe what burdens and problems they kind of come with varies, you know, from, from weekend to weekend. And, and that's, very much a challenge of, you know, how do we navigate this, this time and the way we navigated it last time, isn't necessarily the way we need to navigate it this time. Sometimes they're, you know, the ones that suffer from like anxiety and and more struggles, maybe they're on a, you know, higher, like, you know, struggle at the time and, you know, any little thing sets them off or they do need that more personal time. And so it is, it's really hard in the hustle and bustle of such a short period of time of how do we recognize, you know, what all six kids need? Because sometimes, you know, my two, yeah, they've been with us, you know, full time, but the minute, you know, other kids are around, they might notice maybe what they've been lacking and suddenly they're acting out. And I mean, I can tell you, it is pure freaking chaos. Like sometimes we have like, you know, six kids all wigging out. They're all freaking out. They all need their parent or they all need time, you know, from me and, you know, my kids can kind of struggle a little bit because yeah, they're 15 and 16, but it doesn't mean they need their mom any less, but they do see the time and attention that, you know, littles require more, even if they were, you know, their, their blood siblings, it's like littles just require more time and attention. They just do. It's always the way it's going to be. So sometimes, you know, my olders can struggle because of that. Cause it's like, why do they need you so much mom? Like why, And my kids might not even need me, but just because they see the littles like need more suddenly it's like, wait, maybe I want more. And I mean, I remember like when, when Sailor was 18 months old is when I had Paisley and it was like the second I'd sit down to feed Paisley, suddenly Sailor needed something. And you're Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like when you're on the phone, suddenly your kid needs you. And so it's, it's kind of that type of thing is it's like, wait, I need this. And I haven't told my mom, I need this. And now she's helping the little, and now they're getting the attention I so desperately need. So it's almost like 
six kids fighting for attention at the same exact time. And so sometimes we have the most glorious, beautiful, joyous weekends. And sometimes they're a freaking crap show, like not even going to lie. I'm going to keep it real. I don't sugarcoat. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes it's full chaos. There's a lot of, you know, crying. There's a lot of racing voices. There's a lot of craziness, but at the end of the day, we still have to find that connection and that solid ground and, and get ourselves back to that. Yeah. Which I love. And I love your honesty and your vulnerability with that. <laughs> Cause I think honestly, that's, that is our superpower as moms to be able to share with each other that it's not all sunshine and rainbows, like Instagram and social media makes it seem sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, it's, it's hard. It is very hard. I will, I will paint that picture for anybody who might be entering that world. That's listening to this. Anybody that's in it. Um, it's hard. It doesn't get necessarily any easier. Your heart just changes, um, you know, hit those knees in prayer. Um, you know, remind yourself, give yourself some grace. Um, I have those breakdowns of like, there's no way I can do this another day. This is way too hard. What did I sign up for? Why did I sign up for this? You know, I have those moments of dang, like being just a single mom might've been easier. You know, doing this on my own was kind of easier because I didn't have a, you know, another aspect that came in making it hard for me to be a mom. Um, you know, momming's hard enough, but yeah, doing it to these bonus kids is, am I teaching them the right things? Am I, you know, there's, I think a whole nother level of, am I doing what's best? Am I doing what they need? Am I doing enough? Um, and because of my time frame being so short, a lot of the time, it's like, do I get to show them enough of how to be a mom? I need, I still have to teach them how to be a mom my way. You know, they might be learning from their mom, but you know, obviously I'm in their life for a reason. And and, you know, am I showing them and teaching them enough in the short time that I have? Because it's one thing to have ample time, but when it's cut so short, it's like, am I really teaching them all that the Lord wants me to teach them? Uh, you know, I know I'm in their life for a specific reason. And I often have to remind myself, what is that purpose? What are you here to teach them? What will they grow up and say, you know, Heather, I'm so glad you taught me how to cook or, you know, what is it going to be one day? I kind of think what are they going to come back on me and say, I'm so glad you taught me this, or, you know, that's, that's the perspective I try to keep is one day, you know, they might hate me certain days when there's discipline involved or when there's things that they don't like, or that makes them really uncomfortable. But I try to keep that future perspective of they're going to come back one day and thank me for this, or at least I hope. And I hope that when they're a mom one day, they realize, you know, maybe how hard it was to do what I had to do for the best you know, for, for their best interest. And, and that's the perspective I also try to keep is what's in their best interest. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of a talk that I heard. It was like a devotional given in um, general conference. And the sister was talking about um, this man who was in training camp, right? And he hated his drill instructor, like absolutely hated his drill instructor because that he made them sit still for hours and hours and hours, just practicing stillness so that if there was ever a situation where whatever, like they just, they just have to know how to be still. You can't cough. You can't sneeze. You can't like none of it. You, you can't go to the bathroom. Like, or I mean, if, and if you do, you got to go on yourself. Right. And he hated that instructor, but then a couple of years down the road, he's leading his own troops. And there was a moment where there was like, I can't remember the exact story, but the enemy was near and they had to sit still for hours so that they wouldn't be killed. Right. And in that moment, he was so thankful for his drill instructor and all of the times that he made them sit still. Right. And I think exactly that picture you just painted, like it sucks in this moment sometimes to have this hard conversation or to discipline this way, but having that eternal perspective or having that far reaching perspective, just, you know, like, I know this sucks in this moment, but this moment is not the end, right? Like, is this going to bless their life in the future? Um, one more question I wanted to ask you before we wrap it up. Um, I would dare guess that, especially since your time with them is so limited, I just know in my own situation and speaking with other step situations and all the things that 
there was a very, very real difference in the step bonus situations when the bonus parent would make sure and make time to talk negatively about the opposing role, right? Like AKA if my stepdad chose to talk negatively about my dad and just the way in which that just caused so much friction. And I would dare guess knowing you and with this conversation we've had in the last, you know, 50 minutes or so, you don't waste any of that one day you have with them talking negatively about their mom. And oh my gosh, I can't believe your mom had you do that, right? Now we got to untrain you from all this things. And we only have 70, 36 hours to untrain you from all those negative habits. I can't believe your mom, meh, 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 right? Like I would dare guess you're not wasting any of your time with them talking, talking negatively about their mom. That's correct. Um, that's something they will take personal. And so sometimes there's instances we can't help but say, unfortunately, your mom decided, you know, there's times where that will come up. Like, I'm not going to lie. But it's because it's sparked by a question they ask us. And there's just no other choice but to say, like, you know, and oftentimes, I I guess I will just say, you know, that's the way things are done in that house. And that, you know, this is, you know, our house and this is, this is the way that we do it. But we definitely strive to never say like, you know, your mom or your dad and talk about the other parent in any fashion or any sort of way, because we don't know the context of their household. We don't live in their houses anymore. We don't know the consequences of, you know, divorce and how they've handled it. We don't know what they're feeling and what they're going through. We don't know what triggers them. We don't know how strong they are emotionally or, or what their breaking point is. Um, so yeah, I don't want to waste any energy on talking about anything negative, let alone anything to do with another parent. Cause that's not going to propel our household. That's not going to help our household. If anything, it just brings a negative energy in um, because I mean, it is, there is a big difference. I will say um, for anybody who's struggling, if the parents get along better, it's a much easier on the kids. I look at the differences in divorce on my two children and the relationship I have with their dad, because we talk almost daily. We're still friends. We're amicable. Everything's good. Is it all rainbows and sunshine? You know, no, like divorce is still hard. Nonetheless, there's, there's guilts that come from a lot of different things. There's struggles that come from thing. I did this to my kids because of divorce. Um, but Unfortunately, my husband and his ex-wife do not get along. And it was a very messy, ugly situation for these kids. Um, And there's a huge difference in behavior. There's a huge difference in adaptability, resilience. Um, I think there's just this major differences that I do see by the fact that they know that mom and dad, like pretty much do not get along. They show face the best they can, but they know 100% that there is negativity between their parents know how, no matter how hard we, we try to keep positivity, they know it's there. So there is an underlying something that they just come with knowing that they don't get along and knowing, I think there's a, a level of like trying to, you know, impress each parent or, you know, trying to, they have like a burden on them their shoulders of, you know, maybe trying to to keep things together that they might think is their responsibility. And oftentimes we have to remind kids to be kids, that they're not the parent, that they need to just, you know, that some things are adult matters and that they just need to be kids. And, you know, we have to kind of remind them, Hey, this is your role is to be a kid. You're not an adult. Don't worry about those things. You know, your worry is not finances. Your worry is not, you know, anything to do with the adult stuff. So it's definitely a challenge when the parents don't get along because it, it makes it harder on, I think everyone. So anyone listening, just find that positivity. It does take two. Sometimes the maturity on, you know, either side isn't there or you have to figure out how to come to some type of agreement. So if ex spouses can even go to counseling to make it easier on your children, I suggest it. I suggest anything that can make it, it's about your kids. It is not about you. It is not about your relationship or how it ended. It is about these children. 
Um, I take parenting very seriously. It is about these children. It is not about what disagreements you had. It is not about any of that. It is about putting your children first and foremost. You do not come first. Your children come first. And if, if you know, parents can learn how to just put their kids first and the ex-spouses and any of that situ- adult situation aside, it is so much healthier for the kids to just know that they're first, that they matter, that they are loved, and that no matter what, you know, it's, it is about them. Yeah. And I think the beautiful part is, you know, I share all the time that concept of like the air mask analogy, right? That like you, you can't save someone from drowning if you don't know how to swim. And the beautiful part about what you just shared is it's okay to make your kids your motive, but really, truly that counseling and stuff that really is healing you though. It's, it's for your kids and they can be your motive, but it really is also going to be healing for you in addition to that. And then you will have more peace, more clarity, more forgiveness, more air in your air mask to then okay, I have taken care of myself. So now I have the energy and the mental capacity and the mental maturity to take care of my children too, because I went and got the help that I needed. Right. Right. And if you need that motive to not be like, it's about me, it's about me, it's about me. It's for my kids. If that's going to motivate you to like, go do it, then absolutely a million percent, make it about your kids, make it for your kids. Right. I say it all the time. Don't ask what your kids need. Ask what makes you come alive because what your kids need is a mom who has come alive. Right. And if you're dead inside because of trauma, because of lost hobbies, because of whatever, go get help, (laughs) right? Go get help. And I just want to like high five my mom from afar, like with my dad passing, especially it was so beautiful to see the relationship that they had. My mom spoke at my dad's funeral. She shared his life sketch. She helped me write the obituary. She actually wrote his life sketch. I just helped her edit it a little bit and add things here and there when she wasn't necessarily a huge part of his life. And and she was actually in the room when he was taken off all of his life support. And she was the one who cried the loudest, you know, when he, when he passed on. And it was just this beautiful reminder of like, man alive, my mom is awesome. <laughs> and with my dad's passing, it made me love my mom that much more because in there, I mean, my parents have been divorced for like 21 years now. And, um, And 21 years later, they are basically brother and sister. And they had this really beautiful relationship of like, no, like my mom doesn't love my dad anymore in that way, but she still loves him as like a brother or, you know, as you are the father to my children and I respect you and you were a part of my life and I still want to be cordial to you and man alive, like the respect that I have for my mom because of her ability and her maturity to handle the situation like that is like tenfold, right? And I just admire her so much for that. And my dad never remarried. Um, there was a lot there, right? But, and I think honestly, he still loved my mom until his last breath. And, but I'm just so grateful for that maturity that my mom had to still be kind to him and to still create this environment where she and my stepdad did invite him to our home for Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthday parties and stuff. So just also, you know, yes, a high five to Heather for doing that for her girls and with her marriage and a high five to my mom, if she's listening to this, we're doing that for me. So I love this. I love this so much. Okay. Well, any final thoughts before I close it out, my friend? Uh, just remember people are people and they have the ability to make their own choices, how you react to them, you know, be kind, be loving. You never know the trauma that they might be experiencing or the struggles they have, you know, cheer each other on, be each other's, you know, cheerleader. And, you know, moms really are doing the best they can for their own situation. And you never know what is inside the walls of that home, the struggles that are present because not everybody talks about it because there's that it's not always a setting for that. There's not always a need for that. So just show each other some love and offer help, offer help. If they seem like they're struggling and you want to judge, 
you are wrong. Turn that around and you help them and you will see beautiful things happen. So that is where I'm going to leave that. Amen. And I don't have anything to add. So just mic drop on that. So thank you for hanging out with us, my friends, and I'll see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember, the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace.